Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, the regular season is almost here. For all intents and purposes, preseason is over. How are you doing, my man? I'm great. I've been doing pretty thin, doing a lot of stuff. I'm excited for the season to come. I mean, all those good things. Um, I'm not looking forward at all to the fourth preseason game whatsoever. And I wanted to take a second to tell everyone about Reality Sports Online, if that's cool with you. Let's do it. Yeah, they're good friends of the show. I mean, I've told you guys about them before. It's a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team, just like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it yet? you got to try it. It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated? It absolutely is not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy front office is it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. If you think you're among the fantasy elite... Well, this is the the platform to test your medal. If you're still not sure, you can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock draft free agency auction. If you like what you see, use our promo code BLUEPRINT, all one word, to receive a 10% discount from your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Thank you, Matt. Matt, we've got a great guest today, one of my favorites, one of my good friends in the industry, Curtis Patrick. Curtis is the... Chief Brand Officer, the Dynasty Coordinator, the co-owner of Rotoviz, also the co-owner, uh, along with me over at Dynasty Command Center. Curtis, how are things? Uh, things are amazing, Ryan. Thanks for the great intro, and and I can confirm for all the listeners that uh, I think Matt was referring to Thin in a different capacity, but he does look fantastic tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was gonna pull a thin joke too as well. I, I decided to hold back. Far from thin. <laughs> no, I think I to be told back. you when Silva and I met each other, we both went, "Man, you're a lot bigger than I thought." <laughs> well, at least that was mutual, I guess. Well, we, we've got Curtis on tonight to uh, to to look at some potential breakouts, some potential busts. We're going to do that from uh, the point of view of taking a look back at last year. Um, you look at some of these ADPs and some of these player values from a year ago, and it's uh, Curtis. It's really hard to uh, it's hard to understand how we didn't jump on these or, or how we were even drafting some of these players uh, as highly as we were at the time. Before we do that, though, we've got to talk about uh, really the the two main topics uh, of the past week, starting, of course, with the Andrew Luck retirement. Curtis, I mean, I mean I'm sure you were as shocked as. As everyone, I know every podcast is talking about this. We just want to jump straight to the the dynasty ramifications of all of these players that that have been left behind here, namely T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack. Overall, how are you handling this these Colts players? Because I know you were a, a huge fan, a huge buyer of Eric Ebron, of Paris Campbell over the past uh, couple months or couple years in, in Ebron's case. What are you doing with the Colts? Yeah, I, I, I definitely was shocked. I'll never never forget that scrolling across the screen. I think uh, frantically double-checking to make sure it wasn't the Adarn Schefter Twitter account uh, like everyone else. But um, I, you've got to bump them all down slightly. Um, but depending on how – I think the more important thing 
I mean, everyone's going to bump them down. The more important thing is to understand how far is appropriate because uh, if there's an overreaction in the community, some of these guys become buys. I mean, I really, um, you know, Chris Ballard is, is truly one of the top GMs in the NFL, if not the top GM in the NFL with what he's done with that, that Colts team, with how garbage that roster was just a couple years ago and now being one of the, the most talented rosters in the NFL. I, I, he would be one of the few people I would trust to rebuild this thing on the fly. And I think Frank Reich um, has done a fantastic job of, of getting contributions from from players that, that maybe were afterthoughts. Marlon Mack was an afterthought uh, in, in the draft in, in that running back class. Eric Ebron was a cast off from Detroit and was able to squeeze more value out of him than we've ever seen in his career. So, you know, I think they'll be discounted this year, but they're not dead to me. Um, Ebron probably gets an adjustment down you know, um, I think to the back end of, of tight end one, um, but we've talked about this on other podcasts together, really after those top three guys, it's just a big, ugly tier. So who really cares if Eric Ebron's, you know, tight end 11 instead of tight end six, that doesn't really mean anything in dynasty. This means maybe you can buy him a little cheaper because, you know, the number next to his rank on whatever website you're going to use for your research is lower. Marlon Mack, I think has affected the worst uh, and the most severely, and he should. Um, Scott Barrett tweeted out some amazing stats on Marlon Mack uh, sometime in the last week. Like something like seventy percent of his production came when the team was ahead um, by by more than eight points. Um, and and you know you have to think that these games are going to be closer. Uh, the the number of blowouts or uh, easy wins they're going to have this year uh, under Jacoby Brissett um, going to be extremely diminished uh, versus what we saw last season. So I think Naheem Hines is all of a sudden interesting again uh, because of probable game scripts. Um, so he should probably get a little bit of a bump up. And then of course, T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell at the wide receiver position. Hilton's going to be um, really an interesting buy. I think it's going to take about two months. I think we're going to have to get through September um, with some some poor production compared to expectation. And he's going to start to go down the board and become a buy uh, for next year, whatever they end up doing next year. Uh, and Paris Campbell, um, I think, will will drop back down the boards too. I also think that the team probably doesn't have anywhere near the passing volume uh, that we would have expected under Luck. And, and so that just means the pie is shrinking for all of these guys. Yeah, really good stuff there on, on overall thoughts on the Colts players as, as buys and sells in Dynasty. Uh, Matt, let's let's hear your thoughts about the entire situation, and really more. I, I would love to hear what you have to think or what you have to say, just from the team perspective. I mean, two weeks out, this happens. What what did the Colts do? Yeah, and obviously it was gigantic news, and I'm as big of a luck believer as any. And I thought honestly, he was the second best NFL quarterback in the league last year, behind Mahomes. When it was all said and done. Uh, so it's, you know, we don't get to see him. And I think what Curtis said, start to finish, was really, really good. For me, I was not a Ebron or Mac fan to begin with. And so them taking a bump, they were already pretty low for me. But I, I on my Locked on NFL podcast today, I still picked the Colts to win that division. And I think Brissett, I've been tooting his horn forever. I think Brissett is the best backup in the league with the potential to be a B-level starter especially with Reich getting his hands on him. All the snaps Brissett has got while Luck is down. The infrastructure of that team, the line. It, it, people forget, I mean, when Brissett got thrown to the Wolves with the Colts the first time around, 
he got they traded for him like eight days before that, and the line was horrible. The supporting cast was bad. The scheme wasn't as good. We're going to see a night and day player. So I've been really redraft focused these couple weeks, as everyone else has, and I got my draft coming up. I'm going to jump all over Ty or over Hilton when when the time comes. Um, I think Naheem Hines is a nice bump for as Curtis mentioned too. So I'm not super worried. I mean, obviously it hurts the team, and the pie is definitely smaller. But I think Brissett's better than people think, and this team isn't just going to roll over. That that's encouraging to hear. At least let's let's do this as we wrap up the Colts topic of this group that we've we've talked about. Who is the one player right now from this Colts roster that you would be buying in Dynasty, Curtis? The number one Colts player I would buy in Dynasty, uh, it would be Hines. Uh, it would be Naheem Hines for sure. Yeah, Matt, what about you? Yeah, but I bet you can get Hilton pretty cheap. Yeah. Super quick question for you guys. Sure. I'm, I apologize for Superflex. Where do you guys have Brissett, and do you cut luck quite yet? Oh man, um, yeah, I, I, have, <laughs> I haven't gotten comfortable with that yet. Um, Ryan and I had an interesting back and forth. It wasn't for Superflex, but uh, it was actually comparing and contrasting uh, Marcus Mariota and, and Brissett um, today, and that's that's a <laughs> that's pretty close. Uh, and so I think you know yeah. he's, he's gonna he's gonna be in that range. I mean. I think you could almost argue that Brissett has better job security this year than than Marcus Mariota. So um, I don't have a number next to his name yet. Um, yeah, that that's tough. But um, I, I share your optimism on Brissett for sure. I mean, I think he can. He he's probably still going to be a better NFL quarterback than fantasy quarterback. Yeah, I think that that does make sense if you look at. And everybody has pointed to 2017 and the results we saw then. And I've I've done done that myself i think Brissett finished as quarterback 21 in 2017 and matt as you pointed out that was that was basically worst case scenario for him uh mm-hmm. i mean brand new offense he he joined the team a week before the season started uh had had never been a starter i'm i don't think he'd ever started a game actually uh, or, or maybe just one in uh in mop-up duty at the end of the previous season but uh and they certainly didn't have the weapons than that they do now. So there there does seem to be some optimism for Brissett overall. Um, as far as his value in Superflex Leagues, I actually uh, posted a poll on Twitter a couple hours ago. It's It's got nearly 2,000 votes, and the majority of people are, are calling him uh, putting his value in that 2020 second range as far as what they might be uh, looking to acquire him uh, acquire him for. In a super flex league, I would not be selling him for a twenty twenty second. I just don't think there's enough upside there. If I could get a first, I would probably make that move. But for a second, there's I just I'm I'm not sure I would sell very many starting quarterbacks in the league for a second rounder in a super flex league. Yeah, I wouldn't sell. I don't think I would sell him for a second either. I, he'd I would just hold him and see what we've got. Guys, the other big story of of the weekend, actually that same night and obviously got overshadowed by the luck news, was the Lamar Miller injury. And, I mean, Miller's never really been a a flashy or a sexy dynasty player, but he was a starting running back, and uh, he's been a pretty solid RB2 for the past two or three years. So um, even though he doesn't have that that superstar cachet, his loss does hurt uh, fantasy teams and certainly dynasty teams as well. But 
They've got that insurance policy in Duke Johnson. They've got a couple of rookies that are at least intriguing. Um, Curtis, what are your thoughts on Duke Johnson? How high should we move him up our ranks? How much should we be valuing him as, as what looks like the bell cow in this Houston Texans offense? Yeah, I don't think he'll actually be a bell cow as much as all of us want him to be. I think that um, Crockett might have something to say about that, uh, especially toward the end of games when they're ahead. But, I mean, this is the smash spot we've been waiting for for Duke Johnson. He's never been, you know, the unquestioned running back one uh, on any roster he's been on. And he's been uh, – he's got a, a couple of uh, RB2 seasons uh, in PPR formats. You know, Houston, Houston doesn't throw to the running back uh, like we might want. Uh, it's not – um, the type of spot, like, you know, if, if he was to supplant James White in New England or something, I mean, he'd be like a – we'd have to treat him as a running back one, I think. But uh, in, in Houston, you know, I think we do have to move him into the running back two range, at least in in terms of expected fantasy production. I don't know if he'll be able to get uh, all the way there. Um, but, you know, I, I pulled this um, as, as a breakout stat. Um, when he's gotten his opportunities, I mean, he's made the most of them. Since 2015, Duke Johnson ranks fifth among all running backs in the NFL uh, in receiving fantasy points over expectations. So um, I do think we'll see a little uptick uh, in uh, the passing game usage of running backs in Houston as a result of that. Lamar Miller was was pretty inefficient as a receiver. So uh, Duke Johnson running those circle routes, angle routes, out routes, uh, maybe even getting involved in the screen game with Deshaun Watson and some of that uh, talent on the edges running off uh, the secondary. That could be pretty interesting. So um, it's the quicker you adjust, the better. Um, I do think that you know paying a paying a, a future late first uh, on a contender um, that's probably going to do well for you. Matt, what about you? Thoughts on Miller's loss, Johnson uh, potentially taking over? Yeah, I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think it really helps Watson. I mean, just having that dump-off option to him, and then Duke makes a guy miss, and there's 15 yards. You know I mean? I think the, the passing game in general has a chance to be pretty darn good there. Um, I'm a, a Duke Johnson believer, and uh, I think he has – some bell cow qualities. I think he's more than a Theo Riddick or a James White. I mean, I think you can hand him the ball 12 to 15 times a game. And I say that because he got a lot of usage at the U and he has more yards from script or more rushing yards than any other running back in the history of that university that had Portis and McGahee and edge. And I mean, we know the names, um, I think he can handle more than what Cleveland gave him, and the blocking won't be great, but I think he's an RB2 all day long. And uh, Curtis mentioned this. I mean, it seems like it, it, almost like his, he's almost a better fantasy player than he is a real-life player. Every time he gets a, a couple touches, he's successful for you, whether it's a flex or whatever But in the past. But uh, I think it's a good, really good situation for him. And it's funny because just today – in one of my more shallow leagues that doesn't have an IR spot, Lamar Miller got cut. And I got the email, and I'm like, am I going to pick him up? I'm like, nah. You know, like, I don't care. Yeah, that was actually the, the next thing I wanted to, to ask you guys about, is what to do with Miller. If, if you have an IR spot, of course, it's a pretty easy call. But if not, and there are there's plenty of leagues out there that uh, that don't use that, is he worth holding on to? I would say no. Matt, it sounds like you say no. Yeah, I didn't think enough of him to pick him up. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't pick him up. I think um, 
maybe we've seen what like what's happened with uh, Jay Ajayi. He can't get a you know can't even get a sniff. Um, and you know I think Lamar Miller is going to be ancient history uh, in the view of the Texans after Duke Johnson slays this year. So uh, let somebody else waste the roster spot. I'd rather throw a dart at a young player that might break out. Yeah, and maybe maybe even uh, a guy like Demario Crockett is on the waiver wire if he sh- if he is. Uh, you should change that pretty quickly. Guys, let's move on to our main topic uh, for the show. I, I kind of hinted at it earlier. We're going to talk about some potential breakouts, some potential busts. We're going to look back at last year's uh, August DLF Dynasty ADP. Let's start at the running back position, Curtis. Jarek McKinnon, this time last year, was the RB15. Of course, he had uh, had signed with the 49ers. It looked like he was going to be... Uh, going to be the starting back there and and everyone was excited about that McKinnon hype so much so that we were already looking for the next McKinnon before he had even stepped onto the field Uh, of course it was the injury that uh, that really killed his value but he's he's been slow to come back from that injury he was RB 15 then and now he's RB 48 so a a huge fall for him Um, who do you see as as that next running back uh, that's that's maybe just being drafted too highly. Maybe it's a, a player that's more suited as a third down back or as a pass catching back that maybe we're valuing as as that uh, as that star bell cow. Yeah, man, that it almost took me back to see running back fifteen on uh, Jarek McKinnon's ADP from from last year. That is so wild, um, but it shows how irresponsible we can be at times uh, as a community. So. Um, for me, this guy is is Philip Lindsay. Um, not not exactly uh, the same situation as McKinnon. Lindsay obviously is back with the Broncos again this year, um, but I do think he's overrated and he's due for a slide this year. Um, the the biggest indictment on Lindsay is his undrafted free agent uh, status a, as a rookie um, and and his weight. I mean, it doesn't get any more damning than this. Only five running backs in NFL history have posted multiple seasons of 1,000 or more rushing yards at a league official reported weight of 190 pounds or less. All five of those players were drafted in the first or second round of the NFL draft. Philip Lindsay was not drafted. So if he were to have a repeat of his rookie campaign, he would literally be making NFL history. Um, I don't like to bet on outliers. Uh, Royce Freeman um, is, is a guy that I, I really liked who had an amazing production profile in college, uh, had some similarities to um, some absolute studs like David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell as a prospect uh, when you look at his, his size, his athleticism, and his production. So I'm betting in the long run that Lindsey uh, slides into some sort of role like, like you hinted at, a change of pace guy, high efficiency, let's limit the touches and, and get the maximum out of him. Uh, each game, uh, certain packages, maybe four-minute drill, two-minute drill guy. Uh, but I think Freeman, uh, by the end of the year, uh, shows why the team invested in him. Yeah, Lindsey is, is certainly a good one. The, the hype with him has not uh, not quite taken off like it had with McKinnon, but Lindsey is being drafted as the RB24 right now. And you look at uh, a lot of the things you talked about, namely his size and it's just hard to envision him having that success year over year and, and really even uh, even this year after he, he did it last year. So that's a good one. Let's look at the wide receiver position. I got a couple I want to throw out real quick, Ryan, if you don't mind. Sure. 
is and I, I, I love the Lindsay one because I think he we might look at his history and go or his career and go, man, 2018 was the best year of his career. You, you know, I mean, it might be all downhill from here. But the two names that come to that's really jump in my face here are Marlon Mack, who we kind of talked mm-hmm. about. I mean, could the Colts use a first round pick next year on a, on a running back and complete the offense? Absolutely. And then Damian Williams, you know, I could see us a year from now going, remember we all thought Damian Williams was good? He's just a total jag. He's not a really good football player. He's in a good situation and lost his job in week three, and now we don't care about him anymore. Yeah, yeah, there's a uh, – I mean, Williams Williams just remains kind of the the talk of the offseason as far as uh, people taking sides. And uh, when it comes down to it, I mean, he's – he's a redraft asset stuck in, you know, stuck in our dynasty world. And (laughs) it's, it's been tough for, it's been tough for us to figure out how to value him. I mean, it's really almost like, um, you know, like Tom Brady or like one of these older quarterbacks that we know doesn't have much time left. Uh, That's, that's kind of how it feels with Damian Williams. Looking at the wide receiver position this time last year, another player like McKinnon that was changing teams was Allen Robinson. Not only was he, uh, signing with the Bears as a free agent, but he was also coming off a torn ACL. He had missed almost the entire previous season. Um, learning a new offense, not not the greatest offense for receivers in general. Uh, the injury history, I'm not sure why we were buying Allen Robinson as much as we were, but he was wide receiver 13 in our DLF Dynasty ADP um, and he didn't certainly didn't have a, a terrible season, but did not live up to that ADP by any means. And he is now dropped to wide receiver 28, which seems a lot more reasonable. Curtis, who's a wide receiver that you see being overdrafted right now? Well, I, I think with Allen Robinson, it was just, Hey, it's the first time we're going to get anybody, but Blake Bortles. And and we really thought maybe that Bortles was <laughs> that bad. And that's why he went so far up the board. But uh, for me, uh, you know, and again, this is another example of somebody not quite as high uh, in, in Dynasty ADP at DLF as Allen Robinson was last year, but Corey Davis is still hanging on at wide receiver 23. And, you know, the Titans uh, figure to be, you know, again, a, a low-volume passing team. Uh, they indre- they uh, addressed the wide receiver position early in the draft this year uh, with an absolute stud and, and A.J. Brown, who we didn't get to see as much of as we might have wanted to this summer because he was a little bit ouchy. Um, and then they also, you know, invested in, uh, you know, Adam Humphreys. And Adam Humphreys, an efficient slot guy. Um, they've got still Delaney Walker back there. So um, there's, there's a lot of mouths to feed um, not a lot of volume to spread around. And I'm not sure Corey Davis is the most talented pass catcher uh, on the squad anymore, which we, we were still making that argument uh, about his talent last year. So uh, Titans also look like a potential threat for a quarterback change at some point this year. Um, just everything about this situation uh, points to downside that's not priced in right now. So, I, you know, if you wanted to argue that Corey Davis should be a low end wide receiver three or wide receiver four in dynasty, I wouldn't really have a lot of supporting uh, argument uh, on the other side. So I, I think if he does what we expected him to do when he came into the league and puts up, you know, 900 or a thousand yards or something like that, he's, he's barely going to move from where he's at right now. So uh, a lot, a lot of worry for me with his ADP. I tried to actually cast him off, and a deal to uh, Ben Gretsch in one of my leagues today. Ben Gretsch is CBS, 
And I had to pivot off of that because, you know, he made some of the same comments that basically, you know, Corey Davis's ADP could be an avalanche. Yeah, we we got so used to that third year breakout wide receiver trend um, earlier in our, you know, in our dynasty careers, I guess. And that kind of went away. We got spoiled a little bit. So maybe that guy is, is Corey Davis this year. But you look at players, um, some of the players we're going to talk about later, uh, namely Tyler Boyd. We saw it with Devin Funches. Those guys were high draft capital receivers. Uh, they were former first or second round rookie picks uh, that did not perform early in early in their career. The difference is they lost value really quickly when they didn't perform. And somehow Corey Davis has held on to that value, as you mentioned, still a top 24 uh, wide receiver, still being drafted as a low-end wide receiver too. And he feels, yeah, he feels about 10 or 12 spots too high at that point. I think those are good points. Uh, one name I want to throw out too is Adam Thielen. I mean, he may be, I, I just don't think you have to it'd be hard to paint a picture that a year from now Adam Thielen's uh, 24th receiver off the board. Like, really good player, but not special and all of a sudden, Diggs looks like the one, and Thielen looks like the two, and we just don't pay the prices that we are now for him. Yeah, that, that's a good one, too. He he actually might fit into this next category a yeah, little bit better. Yeah. Uh, we've got, looking back at last year's ADP, Alshon Jeffrey was wide receiver 21. Demarius Thomas was wide receiver 27. Uh, you've all probably figured this out already. Guys on the older side, wide receivers on the older side that we just held on to too long. Curtis, I think this is a slam dunk. Who do you think it is? Yeah, I mean it's got to be it's got to be AJ Green at this point, and I think we actually already have held on too long. Um, it's not a prediction of, of a guy that you know you need to go sell at this point. I mean, as of today, he's still literally getting around on a scooter, uh, but they're saying he's a possibility for you know week two or week three. Not really buying that. Tyler Boyd was fantastic last year. Um, you know, whatever AJ Green, whatever role he comes back into in this offense, um, you know, I think the days of you know the 150 target upside are, are long gone for him. Um, if uh, in this new you know McVay style regime, I also expect them to spread their targets a, a little more flat across the entire wide receiver core. So, um, just uh, unfortunately, if you've got AJ Green, I mean, you really can't sell him for a song right now. He's somehow being drafted in Dynasty uh, as, what, a high-end wide receiver three, wide receiver 26 right now, it looks like. I mean, I think by the end of 2019, he, he's going to basically have, like, what a Larry Fitzgerald-type uh, ADP where he's somewhere in the bottom of, of the top 50 wide receivers, and it's just a thing where you grab him really late in a startup because you can, but will essentially have little to no trade value. Yeah, totally agree on that. You, you, uh, I, I lobbed it up and you slammed it home. It was AJ <laughs> Green was definitely the guy I was thinking of. You look back at ADP from a year ago for him. He was, uh, he was the wide receiver nine. Now, as you mentioned, he's wide receiver twenty six. Looking at, uh, looking at somebody in that same range right now, Julio Jones, wide receiver eight. And I just wonder if we're really. You know, if, if they're kind of following that same trend, if Jones is the, if Julio is the low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three this time next year, that means now is the time to sell Julio or, or at least sometime during the regular season. Don't wait until the season's over. This guy's in his own world and literally, I mean, Antonio Brown too. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, you, you talk about a guy who's already lost value. It's it's right. it's AB for sure. And yeah, he he is in his own world. Um, <laughs> he just just for the record, he is he's still wide receiver twelve. So there's there's some believers out there. I would I would mm-hmm. find them if I were you. Um, <laughs> last last guy we want to talk about who could be a potential bust. Uh, let's start with Trey Burton. Curtis, this is this is kind of our fault. Uh, <laughs> was the tight end five this time last year. Uh, you were really excited about him. I was really excited mm-hmm. about him. We were tweeting about him. We were podcasting about him. We were writing about him. It, it didn't quite work out. He, he certainly had a solid season, but kind of like we talked about with Allen Robinson, the Bears just spread it around too much. None of those guys uh, put up huge fantasy numbers. Uh, Trey Burton is now the tight end 16. Uh, I like him at that value, but who are a couple of tight ends that are maybe being overvalued, overdrafted right now and could fall uh, quite a bit over the next year? Well, we already talked about uh, Eric Ebron. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with one that might upset people a little bit more uh, and Dallas Goddard. And it's not because I don't like Dallas Goddard, but Zach Ertz hasn't gone anywhere. Dallas Goddard's being drafted as a, a dynasty tight end one. You know, there's, there's 32 starting tight end positions in the NFL. Dallas Goddard doesn't own one of them, and we're drafting him as a top 12 tight end. So I, I don't know if everyone's waiting for, like, just the impending Zach Ertz concussion uh, that hopefully he doesn't have. Um, and, I, and I know the team has, has talked about a larger role for Goddard, um, but it's highly unlikely he produces anywhere near uh, tight end 11 in, in 2019 uh, in the absence of a, you know, a significant Zach Ertz injury. So... Um, I, you know, I think he'll, he'll probably hold somewhere around that. Um, he, he's just a guy that has a lot more roster value than production value right now. And, uh, that, that's a little unfortunate. Um, you know, I, I kind of wish that Philly had just let Dallas take him instead of trading up in front of him just to spite their divisional rival. How happy would we be if he was a cowboy right now? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. He, he wouldn't be right. tied in 11. We'd be pushing him up to tight in five, like we did with Burton last year. But in, in all seriousness <laughs> though, uh, you know, I, um, I, I can't even, re- I wish I remembered who had been talking about this cause they deserve credit for it, but it's slipping my mind on the spot. But, um, you know, the, uh, the, the Reed Negi, uh, offense, uh, it really does take two to three years, uh, to reach maturity. And, and we know that um, Trubisky obviously has a lot of room to grow, um, but also that the whole offense was a little bit limited last year. And so, you know, at tight end 16, you know, Trey Burton isn't a guy that I own any shares of at this point. Um, but I think maybe there's some sneaky upside uh, for him if he can get healthy. Uh, he had a uh, hernia issue again uh, in, in the offseason. But if he can get healthy uh, or whoever else gets the tight end snaps there, I think could begin uh, to show some upside in year two here. One note on that too is I think people need to realize that tight ends don't fall off cliffs. They fade away slow. You know, I mean, once you kind of, I mean, Jason Witten just came out of the booth and Gates and Gonzalez and even like Keith Miller and uh, Olsen and all these old dudes are still serviceable once they understand the nuances of the position. So for anyone to think Ertz could take, could be like the AJ Green that we just talked about of tight ends, Probably won't happen. He wasn't the fastest guy to begin with. He just knows where to be. He's reliable. He moves the chains. His quarterback trusts him. He's not going to fall off a cliff. Yeah, and he's only 28 right now. I mean, yeah. uh, peak production age for tight ends is like age 30. 
So you could argue he hasn't even reached his prime. You know, if he can just stay healthy, you know, he could be a nuisance to Dallas Goddard's upside for years to come. Yeah, good good stuff on the tight ends. I think we were agreeing way too much, Curtis. I know uh, we we had to find a disagreement somewhere. It, it's Goddard for me. I'm still a, a believer and a buyer, but you are totally right on that that roster value versus um, you know a, a guy you can use. It's it's a it's around this time right now that we're starting to log into our leagues and figure out what our week one starting lineups are going to look like. And uh, Dallas Goddard probably should not be included in that. So you get excited to, to get a guy like Goddard on your team and in the summer, but then when it's, when it's time to hit submit, you can't use him yet. Yeah, it's good stuff. And folks, I want to tell everyone about Harry's. I've told you about them for many years now. Humans have been shaving for over 5,000 years. They, they used flint tools, shark teeth. They finally came up with copper razor blades. And we, we and they always humans have always known that a great shave comes down to simple, sharp, durable blades. Uh, the ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles or any of that nonsense. That's why Harry's doesn't add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on qualities that actually matter for a close, comfortable shave. And they never upcharge you. So... Join the 10 million, including myself, who have tried Harry's and have totally switched over. Claim your special trial offer by going to harrys.com slash dynasty. Um, I, I've told you guys before that I had a problem because my skin's very sensitive. I could only use an electric razor. Well, that absolutely changed whenever I found Harry's, and I've been totally you know, hooked since. Um, it's, it's also really noteworthy that 1% of the sales from Harry's are donated to organizations that provide, provide access to mental health care for men. And there's no risk for you to try them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. So here's what you do. Listeners of our show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. You get a wonderful weighted handle for a firm grip. Five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. Rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your your skin hydrated. Smells great. And a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. So go to harrys.com slash dynasty to start shaving better today. All right, guys, let's transition now. We want to get away from that depressing talk about some players who could uh, disappoint us this season. Let's talk about spotting some breakout players and these these situations are always so specific. So we're not you're not going to find there's not going to be a Philip Lindsay every year. There's not going to be that undrafted free agent who turns in a thousand yard season. So that's not exactly what we're looking for. But we are looking for a player like Lindsay who was almost forgotten um, in in drafts and turns out to be a valuable player. This time last year, Lindsey was the RB87. As I mentioned, he was an undrafted guy uh, and and overtook uh, Royce Freeman to become the starter there in Dallas, produced a 1,000-yard season as a rookie. Uh, Curtis, who's a, a young back, maybe not being, not being viewed as the starter right now, who could uh, really see a big jump in production and certainly in value over the next year? Yeah, I, I love this discussion. This is a lot more fun. We probably should have led the show with this, uh, so people haven't, you know, jumped off the highway bridges by now on these players that they own. But um, Chase Edmonds, Chase Edmonds is, you know, not really a player that 
gets people excited when you talk about it. he's just kind of like there we weren't excited when Arizona drafted him I think he was like a, a late fourth round compensatory pick he's he's running back 59 in, in dynasty ADP right now um, but let's think about how Philip Lindsay basically came to be it was because of injury related opportunity David Johnson uh, has had some trouble staying on the field uh, in his career and you know everyone's excited about the Arizona offense right I mean everyone thinks they're going to be this uh, high flying, high volume, uh, pass happy team. Which you know, obviously, passing volume is uh, the lifeblood of running back production, and a lot of people are very, very high on David Johnson. But if, if he goes down, I mean, Chase Edmond would be you know a rocket ship uh, in in terms of redraft value and dynasty value. Um, and and I'm not so sure he even needs a David Johnson industry uh, injury to be relevant. And that's kind of why I like this play. Um, I think they're going to run enough plays in Arizona uh, at such a pace that there's going to be a complimentary running back there this year. And, and if there is going to be one, it's going to be Chase Edmonds. So I think he's he's a lock to outperform against his current ADP uh, and, and as a guy that you could basically get for free uh, unless you're trying to get him from the David Johnson owner. So he's a good throw in piece right now. I, I really like that play. Let's stick with the running back talk. Um, let's go to James Conner. Again, we're, we're not going to see these, these situations uh, play out exactly as they did a year ago. Obviously, Conner gained value and, and produced as a result of the Le'Veon Bell holdout. So, Curtis, it, it might have been an easy way for you to go with both Ezekiel Elliott and, and Melvin Gordon holding out, but you didn't go that way. Who's your guy here? Yeah, so a Connor Comp uh, for 2019. I'm, I'm, we talked about him a little bit in the in the first part of the segment, but you know Royce Freeman, uh, he's not down in the you know outside the top 60 for running backs, but he, he is uh, a high end running back four by Dynasty ADP. And I just got to remind you, I mean, how excited we were about Royce Freeman uh, last year and and how good he really was uh, in college. I mean, for those of you that played Devi, I mean it. It wasn't unheard of that Royce Freeman uh, would go ahead of Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey in Debbie startups um, after his first year or two. Uh, he, he had over 3,000 rushing yards in his first two college seasons, had 500 yards receiving and 38 touchdowns in those two years. Um, when you look at his his size, his speed at that size, I mean, at, at 229 running a 45440, I mean, that is David Johnson-esque. It's a Le'Veon Bell-esque. Uh, and, you know, 123 uh, yards rushing per game for his entire college career. I mean, this guy was an absolute stud. And so, you know, James Conner was also a guy that that absolutely rocked it early in his career. And then, you know, he in the middle of his college career, obviously he was dealing, uh, you know, with, with cancer uh, and came back and, and finished strong. But um, similar case, er, early breakout running back, bigger guy that obviously has, you know, bell cow size and a bell cow skill set. So, um, I, I think it's definitely a range of possible outcomes that we're talking about. Royce Freeman is like, you know, a mid running back two in dynasty startups uh, next off season. I, I don't think that's a ridiculous projection at all. How about these two names? They're not quite as high upside as those two, but Malcolm Brown behind Gurley and Madison behind Cook. Yeah, you want this one, Ryan, or you want me to want me to take it? Well, I, I think both of those guys do have high upside, actually. Um, and 
for me, it's it's a similar story. I'm worried about injury with both of those guys. I mean, we've talked about Gurley all off season, and and Daryl Henderson has been the big uh, beneficiary of of that worry when it comes to value. I mean, we we saw him go from a essentially a mid second rounder to a mid first rounder in rookie drafts just o- over the span of a month before training camp even started. But then once camp started, it, it kind of became the Malcolm Brown show. I, I'm st- in dynasty. I'm st- just not all the way there with him, I guess. Um, Matt, you talked about that redraft mindset that we're all in right now. And, mm-hmm. and I think, uh, I think Brown's a great uh, late round target in a redraft league and in dynasty. I, I would, I would still prefer Daryl Henderson. I'm still excited about uh, what he brings to the table and what he offers in that offense. And, and again, not only with the Gurley injury, but as that standalone asset in Minnesota, we know they want to, uh, we know they want to run the ball. Everything they've done this offseason says they want to build around that run game. And that includes drafting Alexander Madison. They let uh, obviously let uh, Latavius Murray walk and, and Madison, uh, I mean, there's there's some some preseason guys excited about Mike Boone, and he's made some plays, but uh, I feel like Madison has that uh, backup job locked down. And uh, if Cook were to deal with another injury, which is is not out of the realm of possibilities, uh, Madison would be that weekly fantasy starter, right? Uh, you know, just just immediately. So I, I think both of those guys are are great targets. There, um, Madison's in that same range as Freeman as far as his value and, and Brown is still pretty cheap, but going to be a kind of a similar story. If, if the girly owner already, already has Brown, it's going to be a tough buy. Let, let me throw one more out there. A, a guy that if it hadn't been for a pretty significant injury uh, at Oklahoma last year, would have been drafted a lot higher. What about Rodney Anderson at running back 75 and dynasty ADP? New coaching regime, bad offensive line. <laughs> right. If Mixon gets a little ouchy, even if Mixon doesn't get a little ouchy, um, Anderson looked fairly impressive in the preseason. Um, you know, I, I think we've been heavily influenced by that injury and his slide to the what was it, the sixth round of the NFL draft this year. So um, I think he's like an automatic dynasty equity guy. I think if he shows literally anything, one twenty-yard run in September. And he'll, his ADP train will just be, you know, out of control. Yeah, I feel like his I feel like his values already kind of spiked just from that one preseason game. He he struggled to run the ball, but the entire team did. But he was so involved in the passing game, and and that's what that's what caught our eye. And and that you know, honestly, that's how he's going to find a role in in Cincinnati with Mixon there. Um, there there have even been rumors that Geo could be a a cap casualty, a cut here as we uh, near that that time of the season, and and that's coming soon. I I don't think that I would be surprised if that happened, but um, if if they've seen enough from Anderson, that could be the way to go. And he's he's still pretty cheap. Let's talk about a couple other running backs. Um, these these are guys who certainly uh, they had the hype last off season, just maybe not enough. Uh, Aaron Jones was the RB 38 in our dynasty ADP a year ago. Marlon Mack, a guy we've already mentioned a couple times uh, in this episode was RB 34. So those, those young potential breakouts, maybe we just didn't take them seriously enough. Who do you see is maybe falling in that category this year, Curtis? Well, you have to excuse me while I slip into something a little more comfortable and light some candles uh, because I love, I love to talk about Austin Eckler. 
Uh, Austin Eckler's running back 40. Um, what, uh, just indulge me here because I'm going to go on a little bit of an Austin Eckler rant. Um, we've all been waiting on Melvin Gordon to make his decision. Uh, and, you know, evidently $10 million is not good enough for him. Um, even though the team, I think, making an offer based on calf size, you know, you're not going to pay him more than, you know, RB4 money in, in the NFL. Austin Eckler last year, 12 points per game in PPR, even when Melvin Gordon played. Even when Melvin Gordon played, Austin Eckler paced for 192 PPR points. I mean, let, let's let that sink in for a little bit. Like, this guy was a high-end fantasy producer last year, even when Melvin Gordon played. Now, when Melvin Gordon didn't play, you know, you would think, based off of how people talk about Justin Jackson, that, uh, you know, Justin Jackson was the guy who had the increased workload. Justin Jackson didn't have the increased workload, except for the game that Austin Eckler also missed. There were three games that Melvin Gordon didn't play, uh, and when Austin Eckler also played. And in those games, Eckler's usage basically doubled. I mean, just absolutely doubled. If you extrapolate how the team used him in those games, it equals a 277-touch, 16-game pace. I mean, that's more than what Alvin Kamara got last year. And, and speaking of Kamara, I mean, Eckler and Kamara are basically twins when you look at what they've done. Uh, in the NFL so far. Um, one of our newest analysts at Rotoviz, Ryan Collinsworth, who, who, if you're not following him, he's R.A. Collinsworth on Twitter, um, has just been an absolute stud uh, with all of his content this summer, um, compares these two players, and literally uh, percentage of uh, rushing opportunities when trailing, uh, percentage of rushing opportunities when leading, uh, targets by the same fact. I mean, literally, they are used the exact same way by New Orleans and, and the Chargers. So I, I think people don't see it this way. But what actually happened last year when Gordon was on the field is that Eckler was the Camara uh, in L.A. It was an ingram Camara situation that no one realized was happening. And we didn't get truly excited until he got those standalone games on his own. And the only reason we felt disappointed in those three games is because he didn't score. Uh, he didn't score a touchdown uh, through the air, and he only scored one touchdown in three games on the ground. Um, and, and we wanted more of that. But just in the opportunity, he averaged almost seven targets a game without Melvin Gordon. Uh, over thirteen uh, rushing attempts per game without Melvin Gordon. So we're talking about a player who they gave 20 touches per game to in his absence. Melvin Gordon's not back yet. If if the team has to open the season without Melvin Gordon, Eckler is absolutely the 1A there. I, Justin Jackson is going to have a role. Austin Eckler is the 1A there. Don't get confused. That's how he's going to be used. He's uber athletic. Um, if Gordon truly does you know, sit out uh, those first 10 weeks, I don't know that it even hurts the team. I really don't even think it would hurt the team. I think Austin Eckler's that good. And, you know, 10 weeks in, if he he could literally be sitting there as, as a running back one in PPR. I mean, it would not surprise me in the least if that's what happens in the event of an extended Melvin Gordon holdout. So uh, absolutely think um, that we should be looking at what he did last year um, – with you know through rose-colored glasses and maybe an opportunity that we missed in Aaron Jones and Marlon Mack um, in twenty in twenty seventeen we won't miss 
uh, with Austin Eckler when we look at his 2018 to his 2019. It's a pretty great argument. Yeah, I think I think it is as well. And and what really stands out to me, Curtis, and because since we've known about this Melvin Gordon holdout, the conversation has been: is it Eckler or is it Justin Jackson? In reality, it's probably going to be a combination of those two guys. But the great thing, and, and this was just hammered home by you, the great thing about Eckler is even if Gordon does come back, he still has value and he's still going to produce. So you don't have that risk in trying to buy Austin Eckler or, or drafting Austin Eckler if, if you're in a very late dynasty startup because he's going to have that opportunity really regardless of Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I would rather own Austin Eckler than Tariq Cohen in dynasty right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, and, and I may have to go check my rankings after this because I'm, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if they reflect that. But I agree. When you have these conversations, I think over the past few months, it, it really all comes down to this player. I think I mentioned him earlier. Who's this year's Tyler Boyd? So this year, this time last year, Tyler Boyd was the wide receiver eighty-two. Uh, he had some he had some draft capital with the uh, with the Bengals. I think he was a, a second or a third round draft pick, a day two draft pick but he just hadn't produced at all. And, and in fact, it, it appears that they had tried to move on by drafting John Ross, uh, even higher, uh, the next year. Uh, the other guy I want to throw in this category, Curtis is, is one that I know is a favorite of yours. Another Tyler, it's Tyler Lockett. I, I was, I was honestly shocked to see how low he was in ADP this time last year. Boyd just felt like a player that, that was completely forgotten. He was even getting, dropped in some dynasty leagues but this is a guy who who had some serious value Tyler Lockett was wide receiver 64 one year ago and and we know of course both of those guys produced uh Lockett is now the wide receiver 24 Boyd is the wide receiver 25 they're right there beside each other who could be this year's wide receiver that really surprises us really makes a jump maybe a guy with with a young player with draft capital that We've given up on way too soon. This is another great discussion. I don't know if people have given up on him uh, or if it's more that they just never got too excited about him. Um, but I, I really like Michael Gallup in this vein. Uh, he's he's wide receiver 54. Uh, he's got day two NFL draft capital, so he, he checks that box. Uh, he had a top quartile college dominator and his closest two comps. When you look at his college production in the Road of his box score scout, are Keenan Allen and Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, this guy has a, a great collegiate profile. And, you know, Amari Cooper's ouchie to begin the year. If he misses any time whatsoever, Gallup's going to get a couple games where he really eats. But this is another situation where I, I think people aren't necessarily looking uh, at what's going to happen on, on the field. And, and we're just like making assumptions about uh, who the alpha is and not thinking about those secondary guys. I mean, uh, it's a new OC in, in Dallas this year. They've talked about speeding the game up. I think it's going to be more of a Dak-centric attack, especially if Ezekiel Elliott isn't there for the first couple games. And and Michael Gallup, I mean, he really wouldn't have to do much uh, to outperform. I mean, if literally, if he just gets um, five targets a game this year, and let's say Amari Cooper is an absolute target hog and Gallup just gets kind of what's left and a very low-end wide receiver two uh, usage pattern. He's still going to beat ADP on production. He, you know, he should uh, score about 140 PPR points based on on that type of usage. 
and he's going to be a, a wide receiver four if he gets 140 PPR points. But if he improves like at all, or if he gets any games uh, without Amari to bolster that production, I, I think he's a fringe wide receiver three this year. And if he is a fringe wide receiver three this year in his second year, he's going to have a dynasty ADP value spike for sure. Um, and you know, I, I don't think it's impossible that you know he he isn't as good. Uh, in the Dallas offense as Amari Cooper. We don't we don't know how they're going to do this thing. We really don't know how they're going to do this thing. Amari was wildly inconsistent in Dallas last year. We saw the, the amazing uh, week-winning, GPP-winning uh, performances, and we saw some games where he was absolutely invisible. And so um, I think it's way too early to just call Michael Gallup, you know, like just a guy or, um, you know, not be paying attention to him. So wide receiver 54 – I will predict that he's a top 40 dynasty wide receiver uh, by the end of the season um, and, and definitely has even more upside than that. It's certainly a good one. I mean, he could have the second most receptions on the Cowboys easily, and that in itself would have some value. How about Traquan Smith? Yeah, I, li- I like I like Traquan. Traquan, um, the only thing that worries me, you know, he wasn't highly efficient last year. They did bring in uh, Jared Cook, who I think – uh, might be a little problematic for uh, the ways that Traquan would be used, but anyone connected to Drew Brees um, is is a good bet for me. Uh, what, what's his AD? I don't have his ADP pulled up. Do we know what that is? I don't have it handy. I thought it was probably similar, maybe even lower than Gallup. Yeah, I bet, I bet yeah, it's lower. The, so Traquan is, yeah, yeah Traquan's wide receiver sixty right now. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, a little a little bit lower, kind of in that same range, but. Um, a lot of the same things that we've talked about with, with some of these other potential breakouts. The thing to like about Traquan right now is, is the offense he's, he's involved in, but he's, he's another guy who was really inconsistent last year. I think he had that one monster game and then uh, that kind of covered up for, uh, for some others that were disappointing. Of course, we're talking about a guy like Michael Gallup that was uh, a rookie last year. So, uh, we'll see how he transitions in year two, but both of those guys are uh, are cheap enough, at least according to ADP, that we should be uh, we should be throwing out some offers and taking chances on those. Curtis, let's finish up this discussion with some tight end talk. We've got a couple couple of different guys that we're going to lump in here together. They were being drafted in different ranges last year, and they're certainly in different tiers now this year. But they've both gained quite a bit of value. George Kittle was the tight end 11 this year, uh, this time last year. I mean, it, it hurts to see him being drafted behind Jimmy Graham and some of these other guys Man. just one year ago. And then Austin Hooper uh, was talking about giving up on a player. He was a guy that it seems like a lot of people were giving up on. He was being drafted as the tight end 24. And I have to admit, I was one of those. I wanted no part of Austin Hooper. Uh, so he, he was a big surprise for me in 2018 uh kittle is is of course now the tight end two overall and hooper is up to tight end 10 so big jumps for both of those guys curtis who are who are tight ends that are um low end tight end ones maybe even low end tight end twos right now that you would be investing in okay i think i've got pretty good um comparables for this year uh for both of those guys so you had george kittle at tight end 11 last year I like Mark Andrews at tight end 12 this year. Um, and it's kind of a similar situation. You know, they showed just enough in the rookie season um, to intrigue us, but did we really want to go all in? 
And, uh, you know, Mark Andrews had, um, you know, uh, if you look at tight end rookie seasons uh, since the year 2000, it, he really did have one of the best ones. And, he you know, he only had like 38 receptions. Um, but that's just how uh, rare early tight end production is and, and, and kind of points to how seriously we should take it when we see anything positive from a rookie tight end. And, and now, I mean, it's been nothing but just like gleaming – uh, reports out of Baltimore all off season about the rapport between Lamar Jackson, and Mark Andrews. You know he's being looked looked at basically as the bailout guy on any play uh, where he's not hitting the the primary read. He's being used in the in the red zone. I mean, I think he could lead the team in targets. I mean, I I really think he could, and if he does, uh, it, that's a very Kittle esque situation uh, in, in year two. So I I think Mark Andrews. Um, it is very, very likely he's, he's going above tight end 12 in dynasty this time, uh, next year. And for Austin Hooper, the comp last year, tight end 24, uh, I'm going to go with another guy that has been a little slow, a little slower early in his career, maybe like Hooper was, uh, but showed some flashes, but you know, he didn't break out for different reasons. He just, you know, hasn't been able to stay eligible and that's Darren Waller at tight end 22. Uh, now in Oakland, uh, had started his career in Baltimore. I mean, he's basically a wide receiver with a tight end designation. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the upside isn't quite what it would be for Mark Andrews just because of the presence of Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams. Uh, Tyrell Williams is probably the bigger issue for Waller just because of the similarities there. But, um, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think Waller could be, you know, a mid tight end two or maybe even a sneaky high end tight end two this year. And, you know, that, that would push him up the board. Andrews jumps off the page. I mean, he's not quite as talented as Kittle, but he's not that far off either. I mean, this is a pure receiver after the catch. I like your Waller one, but the one I would pick there would be Gerald Everett. I mean, if he mm. gets used in that offense after a couple slow years, look out. Yeah, Gerald Everett is a tough one for me because there was so much to like. It's just hard for me because he's so buried in the target distribution. I mean, they like for him to break out, they really have to change their offense. I mean, because he's behind cooks, he's behind woods, he's behind cup. He's behind Gurley. I mean, like at best he's option five in that offense. Now, if they did change things, I mean, I agree with you. It's, it's not a question of talent. It's just a question of opportunity. I think with tight ends, uh, you know, if it was a question usage. of, uh, yeah, 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 it's usage. I mean, if it was a question of talent, I mean, we wouldn't be here, you know, just wringing our hands over Mike Gesicki, uh in, in, in Miami. It's it's a question of how are these guys going to be used and are they going to get the opportunity? So, you know, I, I, I think uh, I, I think that's my issue with, with Gerald Everett. I wish we could just pick him up and set him down somewhere like, you know, Buffalo or Cincinnati um, that could really use, you know, a talent like that and just watch him eat. Curtis, great stuff today, picking out some players to avoid, some players to target before the season gets underway. We know that's coming soon. Tell our listeners where they can find all of your work. Yeah, you've got to check out rotoviz.com. Um, we've, gone, we've undergone massive overhauls uh, this year. It's a, if, you, if you haven't visited us in a while or you've never visited before, uh, it's, it's an entirely new website uh, for 2019 um, we've got a, a large uh, dynasty section. We do cover Debbie. We've got uh, Travis May and Jordan Hoover uh, covering that. We, we cover college football actually in depth, even doing some college football DFS this year. So uh, that's always a great way to learn um, the depth charts in college and who some of these you know sneaky Debbie investments might be. 
but in a way that's more fun than just you know box score scouting. You know, have a little money on the line or skin in the game. Um, you know, our, our, our dynasty team, highly talented. We got Sean Siegel over there and, and TJ Calkins, who I, I believe may have been on this show. Or if he hasn't, you might know him from uh, Ryan and I's uh, uh, business, uh, Dynasty Command Center. So uh, plenty to check out there. Uh, we're a full-service fantasy site. We even do PGA and MMA DFS. So if you're in, into that, uh, plenty to check out. So rotoviz.com, that's where my writing is. That's where my ranks are. Uh, and you can also listen to me uh, every week, sometimes twice a week, on the Dynasty Command Center podcast uh, with my podcast partner, Travis May. All right. Great stuff, as always, Curtis. And we definitely recommend uh, everyone check out Rotoviz. They have lots of, <laughs> lots of amazing work there. The, the tools they have there are, are certainly worth the price alone. Uh, and the content is just a, an awesome bonus. So check them out. Check us out at Dynasty Command Center as well. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Group.